you seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Right now on Fast Stock, staging a comeback in the last hour trading, the S&P narrowly avoiding a close in bear market territory. But can the momentum last? And where will the leadership be? Plus, from key asset to major liability, Elon Musk making headlines for all the wrong reasons over the last few weeks. Could all that distraction mean more big trouble for the stock? And later, after all of this week's volatility, we've still got more market-moving events on tap next week, from earnings to Davos. What's on the trader's radar? I'm Melissa Lee. This is Fast Money, live from the Nasdaq market site in the heart of Times Square. On the desk tonight, Tim Seymour, Dan Nathan, Karen Feinerman, and Bono and Eisen. And we start off tonight with... That 11th hour rebound for the markets after spending most of the day in bear market territory. The S&P found some juice in the last hour of trade, managed to finish the day in the green. The Dow and Nasdaq also finishing well off their lows of the day. So has the market finally, truly found its bottom? And what could the rebound mean as we head into next week? Tim, did you note that a little, a little bit of sarcasm yeah, no, in that question? I, and, and we appreciate some sarcasm on a crazy week. So if you think about also, though, that, that move of 2% in the last whatever minutes of trading is something that's probably more related to the, the options expert. I'll let the, the options guru at this side of the desk talk about it. But we had a trillion nine in equity derivatives. We had a lot of dynamics that would have uh, seen the dealer community actually unwind volatility and be in a position to, to get this market back. But if you think about this was the week that retail kind of stole the market. And it was a week where, where Walmart and Target became Microsoft and, and Amazon and Apple. And, and to some extent, very important. I also think some of the dynamics we just talked about and some of the dynamics we heard about Melvin Capital this week. We've heard about so many hedge funds that have had very difficult times. I'm going to say I don't think a lot of the selling this week was all fundamental. I think you had a lot of risk positions that were told to take down. That's why good companies were sold more than I think they should have been. And bad companies might have rallied more than they should. It's also a week when the Fed basically told us there is no Fed put. Yeah, I would say agreed. OK, the S&P 500 closed yesterday at 3,900 almost to the penny. And today it closed at 3,900 to the penny. Mm-hmm. So if you're kind of putting your, your options derivatives hat on, you'd say there was something funky going on as it relates to expiration today. So that is what it is, especially when you get that late eight-day sort of movement. I will say this about the retail stuff, and I'll say this. There's two names that actually, aside from Target and Walmart, and we talked about them a lot this week, I think what Deere had to say, and I think what Cisco had to say over the last couple of days, this leads me to believe that companies like Apple and Tesla that did very well in the prior quarter dealing with some of these supply chain issues, and they were talking about demand was good, but they didn't have access to components or product, that sort of thing, to meet the demand. I think what Cisco said and what Deere said leads you to believe that these guys were were very well exposed outside the U.S., specifically in China, might have some problems here, you know? And so that's why I think happened with Apple when it just kind of fell out of bed. And obviously Tesla did. We're going to talk about that later for other reasons. But I think that's going to be a story as we go into the back half of Q2 that a lot of analysts are going to start lowering their numbers on a lot of stocks that have that exposure. Don't forget where the dollar is. I know it just came in this week. But that quarter over quarter, year over year, big impact for U.S. multinationals. So we're finally coming to grips. And by we, I mean the royal we, no, the markets we, <laughs> with the fact that, that China could be a bigger issue than we thought previously. Supply chain issues for, as it relates to China are not easing. And by the way, the conflict between Russia and Ukraine, that's actually an impact too that we haven't come to grips with. Do you, do you buy that bottom line? I mean, these are so 
seem to be so obvious. We've been talking about those two things on this show for so long. You think it's finally eyes open to these issues in the markets? I think people want to keep the waters calm. And so they're alluding to it and giving you some insight into it. It has to be acknowledged at this point, it would be irresponsible not to. But you said it's much more of a major issue. I agree. It's also uh, beginning to be much more of a protracted, long-standing issue. And that's really where the question is. There's no denying that it's there. There's no denying the inflationary pressures <clears throat> that is causing both in you know, food prices and also in terms of supply constraints, but also how long will this persist? And I think that's the wild card that's still yet to unfold. Yeah, and the other wild card, of course, is the impact on the consumer, Karen. So after all of this is said, we've got all these earnings out. We've got all these reads from various retailers. How are you feeling about the consumer and whether or not we actually have our arms around the impact the consumer is feeling from inflation, from rising rates, et cetera? I think the consumer is probably feeling somewhat confused, right? It all depends on which consumer you're talking about. Some companies have obviously very different consumers. Just one interesting data point today, Richemont, which uh, is the Cartier parent, had terrible China sales that uh, took everyone by surprise. That stock got hit maybe, I don't know, 12, 13 percent. I don't know where it closed. So that was interesting. Um, it makes me think about, you know, is there any area that's, that's safe? Usually luxury is safe somewhat, but maybe because luxury has grown so much from that Chinese market or uh, other Asian markets as well, maybe that's not as safe anymore. I don't know. I feel like there was a lot of disarray among both companies and how their quarter was handled and, and among shareholders, right? For me, looking at something like a Walmart or a Target was like, wow, okay, that, that first 32% inventory build at Walmart and then even greater one at Target, that was pretty staggering. However, I did at the very end of the day today buy a little Target, it being day three, of course, and mm -hmm. I feel like, you know what, they've really gotten annihilated. The stock has gone down, up, you know, from wherever it was before, 230 to 155. I don't know exactly where it closed. And that's a pretty big markdown for a company that was not trading at a frothy, frothy multiple. So I understand there was pull forward and they benefited from the pandemic and all mm -hmm. of that. But I think this could go lower, of course, but I think a lot of damage, a lot of concern among uh, consumers is priced in, a lot of fear of inflation, a lot of supply chain issues. And I don't see that recurring. I see them having to work through it, that it already exists, but I don't see them building another quarter of gigantic, surprising inventory that'll take the market just so, shockingly So Karen down. was not alone today in buying the dip in Target. When will we see buy the dip for big cap tech? big cap tech, which has been in a bear market longer than the broader indice, than, than the S&P 500. I mean, we're talking about Apple. Did you see, I mean, at the lows of the day, Apple was down what? 2.6%, 2.7%, something like that. Well, I mean, first of all, you, you Mel confided us uh, before the show that she started watching Top Gun for the first time. So, so you know, when you talk about <laughs> Apple, nice. the reason I'm bringing yeah, that up is nice. because because the market's, Apple's lost that love and feeling. And if you think about <laughs> it. Um, now you, I get it. There there now I understand. <laughs> there, there you go. And, and so Apple, excuse me, yes, the Apple relative to the S&P really in the last two weeks is underperformed the S&P by about 9% after outperforming the S&P by 30% uh, for the year up to that. And, and so you have a case here where I, I just think, 
think, uh, first of all, we talk about the relationship between Apple and the market. I, I don't think this market can do anything with both Apple and Tesla so far above uh, kind of their long term averages. And I think you still see a, a lot of that coming down. Yeah, I would just say this, that when it broke 150 last week, it broke the hard deck and it was in the danger zone. And that's where it has <laughs> been over the, let's see what it is <laughs> and for the last two weeks or so. And here's the thing. So your question was, when does big cap tech kind of bottom? And yeah. I'll tell you when it does. When these guys guide down, because estimates are still too high. Earnings estimates for we Apple are still, are still high single digits yeah. percentage. Now, granted, the multiples come in. When we started like whining about it, I did, I guess, um, you know, when it was trading 27 times a few mm-hmm. months ago, I'm saying there's no way they're going to do 9% earnings growth. They're just not going to. And so right now, it's trading about 22 times, but the estimate's still there. So when the estimate comes down, it doesn't mean it's going to get cheaper. You know, like, the, the stock might go down into that. So I guess my point is we need to have these estimates realigned. They almost have to be too conservative in a way, and then the stocks can start working again. Isn't Apple a consumer company? I mean, if, yes. if, we're, if we're hearing that the consumer is moving away from general merchandise, and, and I realize that Apple is a luxury good, and Karen was talking about this, I, I think there's a lot more resiliency there. But I haven't heard Apple say one word about demand, and you can't tell me they haven't pulled forward so many cycles here. And, and so, look, I, I, I totally agree. I, I mean, it's great that they've navigated supply chain. It's great that they've talked about uh, inflationary dynamics. They have China dynamics, and they've They've done very well. But the minute Apple guides lower on demand is is a period the market's not ready for. Well, once upon a time, there was a belief that people would give up everything before giving up their iPhone. People give up everything before they upgraded their iPhone. Does that still pertain to this market environment, Bonowin? Uh, to an extent, but I would argue that they have. They have been. It's been taken from them. They haven't given it up. It's been taken from them. Inflation has eaten through it. I mean, what are you? Are they, get, are they supposed to not eat? Are they supposed to not drive? I mean, so, you know, there, there's just like a limit to how much that they can give. When it comes to it being an actual, actual option, I'm sure that they're willing to forego pretty much everything aside from travel. That seems to be holding up well. But when it comes to core basics, necessities that one needs to kind of sustain and survive themselves, rent prices, home prices, all going up. <clears throat> Fuel costs is all going up. Cost to sustain oneself, uh, you know, through food and water is going up. So those things can't move. The rest of it has. 5G is not going to trump eating, Karen. And that's the major driver for the upgrade cycle here. I want, how are you thinking about <laughs> Apple and some of the other companies for this current quarter? Um, you know, to the point of, to the extent that, that these guys here are saying they haven't guided. The guidance has not come down and it needs to come down. Well, I don't, I, I don't think they like to really give guidance so much, mm-hmm. right? We've talked a couple of times about them giving guidance and, 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 and not giving guidance. But I think, to me, this is such a big transition quarter from lapping the stimulus and supply chain issues. I don't know if it's so much about the quarter as it is about the outlook. And I wonder, you know, we always talk about this notion of is it uh, a sale denied or a sale delayed? And so I'm not quite sure how to think about a scenario where Apple says we were unable to fill demand. How much should that hit the stock? Certainly less, it should hit the stock less than the demand just didn't show up, so we cut mm-hmm. price because we had excess inventory. That's a bad scenario. I don't know you if don't- we'll get that. I'm long Apple. You know, I don't know if we're going to get that. I, th- I think we may get more of the former. We just didn't have, we, we couldn't make enough phones, so we missed. 
And the quarter just reported, they kind of said that, okay, uh, it, that the demand was pretty good and supply chain, they're managing it really well. And right. so they did actually, the guidance wasn't fantastic. It was like, you know, you could see that there was a, the potential for some poor visibility going forward. I'll just mention this, okay? If we know that a lot of these consumer-oriented companies have to make a decision to pass through some of these greater costs or eat it as a hit to their margin. When I look at Apple's margins at 43%, up from 39 and a half just two years ago, well, they, I'd say to myself, there's some risk their there. Their ASPs though, have moved higher. I mean, they've right. been able to pass it on, and especially in a world where, by the way, people were mailed stimulus checks. How many That's of those true. do you think turned into phones? But, but here's, here's what they also did, Mel. They bought iPads to work from home, and they right. bought laptops to work from home, so they pulled forward that. People don't upgrade their phone or their laptops because of a 5G super cycle. And that's the other thing, people. We've been saying this. There's no super cycles. There haven't been. And I think the best thing that's going to come out of Apple over the next couple of years, it's going to be Apple Prime, that you're not going to be thinking about the ASP as $1,000 out of your pocket. It's going to be the sort of monthly membership that you're paying for the hardware and the services going forward. And I think that's coming to a theater near you. And that might justify the valuation at 23 or 24 times. Our audience just got people, by the way. Yeah. People. That's what people. Dan means business. Yeah, yeah. People. All right, let's map out the key levels with uh, the chart master, Carter Worth of Worth chart- Charting, has been looking at the markets overall. Carter, um, how much damage has been done this week? Well, actually, there is a milestone this week before we look at the charts. The NASDAQ 100, of course, which is the, the big one, the one that's achieved 13 consecutive years of positive total return, it, as of today, down 31% from its peak. That's exactly the amount we dropped from the pre-COVID peak to the COVID low. Of course, that 31% decline in COVID was 20 sessions. This one's been six months. But let's look at a few charts and try to figure it out together. So these are uh, charts you've seen before. Um, There are any number of reference points, but as good as any is the prior high, the pre-COVID level. And you can see there, um, were we simply to go down to where we were before COVID struck, we would drop another 14% from here. Now, if you look at that same chart and move forward, what would be the peak to trough decline? It would be then 42%. Now, certainly the the NASDAQ 100 dropped 84% in the dot-com. It dropped 54% in the 2007-2009. So it's perfectly possible. Let's look at the same sequencing in the S&P, two charts. The first is the reference point the pre-COVID high. Were we to simply get down to that high, that's 10% more from here. And then another way to look at it, second iteration, what would the peak to trough decline be? Were we to get there, it would be 30%. So these things are, are have to be considered. I think the important thing is, to your question, was the damage is substantial. Money's been lost and uh, there are a lot of people trapped above, not to mention people who have yet to even sell a single share. Um, Let's look at Apple, though, because it is the big one. And this final chart is Apple's relative performance uh, to the S&P. And so a ratio chart is simply taking one thing divided by the other and plotting it as a line. And what we know, of course, is that Apple's relative performance essentially peaked more than two years ago. And it is now at risk of breaking uh, to the downside. And I have to think that that's likely, that Apple's uh, underperformance day over day, week over week continues. Wow. Carter, thank you. We'll see you in a bit on Options Action. Carter Braxtonworth of Worth Charting. Bonwin, is Apple investable here? 
Uh, investable, yes, because that implies that your your time horizon is much longer. Longer. Mm -hmm. It's probably not the right time to get. Sorry, a, a bit longer. Sorry. Um, it's probably not the right time to, to trade it for a short term bounce. I mean, I don't think this is like a a low or the the right entry point. If that's what you're asking me, in terms of do I think you can start to deploy some capital because you have a long term thesis about the about the stock? Yes, but I would have said the same thing ten dollars ago. Tim, you agree? It's interesting. And it's almost like you're trying to trick us with the question. Um, and I'm not, Bono, I'm not. Bono didn't fall for it, by the way. <laughs> um, I, I just look, I, I, I believe Apple's going lower. And I, I, I want to wait for that guide. I, I don't think I'm going to hear unbridled demand. I don't think I'm going to hear full steam ahead. I'm, I don't think I'm going to hear about a new refresh cycle before I get some kind of a warning. I, I think 125 is assured on Apple. And, and I'd kind of like to see it get a little bit lower. I, I no one's going to ring a bell for you, and I think investors can start to nibble at Apple here. This, but I do think it's going to trade lower. This whole market feels like we're just waiting for, for people just to lay out the worst-case scenario. We're waiting for Jerome Powell to say, you know what, 75 or 100 is on the table. We're making Let's lower lows go. every day. Or for the companies to say, you know what, the consumer's getting soft. Yeah. We don't know what the impact is going to be. Let's put it out there and move on. But this is not unheard of, Mel. Do you remember the second exactly. day of January in 2019? Apple literally posted uh, the, the first trading day. You remember they posted a first pre-announcement, a negative pre-announcement of the company in like a decade or something like that. And the stock that cream. Now, that was the low. Do you remember that? If mm -hmm. split adjusted, it was like $40. So I guess my point is, is like this might start... We we might see in the next, I don't know, month or so, or it's probably going to be early July, the first two weeks of July before earnings season, some negative pre-announcements. We might see it even before that, before the quarter's over. And that will be maybe when we start to see near-term capitulation and maybe we get to some of the levels that Target or that um, Carter is mentioning in the uh, S&P. Coming up, earnings in Davos and J.P. Morgan Investor Day. Oh, my. <laughs> Find out what our traders are watching in the week ahead. We'll break it all down. But first, Tesla tanking. What is investors pumping the brakes on this one? That mm. trade and more when Fast Money returns. Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back to Fast Money. Tesla dropping another 6.4% today, putting it on pace for its worst month since 2010. The stock under pressure as CEO Elon Musk makes headlines for reasons unrelated to the company from his bid for Twitter to most recently allegations of sexual assault. So is Musk long seen as key to the business now a liability for the business? Karen, what do you say? I say no. I think that if Musk were to leave, I think the down, I mean, the, the stock would be down huge. So that to me says he's not a liability. Is he as much of an asset as he was before? Maybe not, for several reasons. And one, the Twitter distraction is obviously enormous. I don't know if you saw since uh, in the last hour, 
he announced that they're starting a big litigation department. I don't know if that's a not thinly veiled threat to Twitter. I'm not really sure. I don't know why, you know, why does he need to distract himself with all of those things? And if I were a Twitter shareholder, I mean, sorry, a Tesla shareholder, I wouldn't be delighted by this, but more than anything out of that company, I still want Elon to be running the show. He's, I, I don't know of another company that has as much embedded in the CEO being there as Tesla does. Yeah, and I'll just say this. I mean, listen, there's two classes of, of shareholders. There's the ones who believe in the secular shift towards EV, and they think this is the best way to play it. And then there's the, the Elon Musk-like disciples, the sycophants and stuff like that. Right. And, you know, they're going to get shaken out. You know why? Because every major market mania of the last 25 years, led by a cult leader like him, has actually blown up eventually. It just happens. It's a fact, okay? So the fact that this one won't, it just doesn't make any sense to me, at least as far as my market history is concerned. Coming up, check out the slew of big names reporting next week. From retail to tech, we'll break down what names you should be watching. The trades ahead. And later on Options Action, Coinbase getting crushed. How should you play the crypto crash? We'll risk less and make more. But stick around. Much more Fast Money in two. Welcome back to Fast Money. Another busy week of earnings ahead. We'll hear from some more major retailers, Best Buy, Nordstrom, Macy's, and others, and a few interesting names in the tech space, too. Zoom Video, NVIDIA, Box, and more out with numbers next week. And to add to all the fun, next week is also the World Economic Forum in Davos and J.P. Morgan's Investor Day on Monday. So... Tim, I know you're watching JPM very closely. Well, not as closely as, as, as Karen, Karen is. Oh, I, I assume she's hoping there's a couple things <laughs> said in her direction at that investor day. But what Jamie Dimon is great for for this market is, I think, a very sober, rational look. First of all, their business is very strong right now. Their consumer and credit trends are fine. Um, Jamie will probably get into a little bit about market dynamics and things that uh, I think he can speak for people that are concerned about some of the cross currents. Um, but I do think this is going to be a, a case where you're going to hear about money set our banks, whose businesses are in very good shape right now. And I think that's probably what we're going to hear from them. Investor days are usually times to sprinkle good news, not bad. Well, the CEO of Wells Fargo earlier this week said that there will be a deterioration in consumers' ability to pay. And I, I wonder if, if J.P. Morgan, if Jamie Dimon, Karen, will sort of echo those thoughts and maybe elaborate on them. I think he might. I think he'll also probably say that it's not happening right now. It will mm -hmm. because the credit quality has been pristine. And it takes some time before you sort of work through the balance sheet improvement that consumers have. But I do think it's coming. It can't, I mean, mathematically, it, you know, there's not a lot better it can go. So that part's definitely coming. I think this meeting may be unusual in that normally everyone, including me, tells Jamie he's great. And I think he's going to get a lot of pushback here on, you know, why is J.P. Morgan underperforming? Yeah. Why is their spending so high? What do they have to show for it? And, Look at everything, uh, you though. know, also the question one day of, yes, true, one day of succession, though. We'll yeah. come up there. All right. And uh, lots to watch next week. Time for the final trade around the horn. Bono in. Uh, I think credit spreads will widen. I look for continued weakness in HYG. Karen. I'm just looking for value. CVS. Tim. No, I'll never leave your wing, Matt, just so you know that. Um, and I think Walmart. <laughs> I, like, I, I think some of the selling this week was definitely not fundamental. I think you get a dynamic here that's still very attractive next year on mouthful. See, all these things now make sense. Yeah. I know. Well, Finally, they welcome make aboard. Sense. Welcome yeah. aboard. Yeah, so in PayPal, it's <laughs> inverted uh, like this, okay? So here's the deal. I mean, this stock's lost 75% of its value. At one point last year, it was greater market cap than that of Bank of America. I think it's starting to look interesting. 
All right, that does it for us here on Fast Money tonight. Do not go anywhere. Options action is up next. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.